Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to Covered in Glory, where we are here to do our final episode on the World Cup, Brett. It has been an incredible run thus far, and I can't believe it's almost over. I don't really need to ask how you're feeling, because I can see you on the video, and you clearly (laughs) feel like hell right now. You look like you've been at the French Hotel, uh, catching whatever (laughs) is going through that team, and maybe partying a little bit too much. Uh, I was hanging out with Rabio. That was my problem. Um, But in the words of Michael Bluth, just got to power through. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's see how much power you got into this. Uh, and it's a shame. I, I feel horrible for you as your friend because you're sick. But I know how much you were looking forward to this game and how excited you were. So the fact that you're going to have to do your Jordan flu game for the World Cup final seems what, somewhat appropriate. Since uh, some might say you're the goat of analysts. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now you're really trying to build me up and make me feel better, at least emotionally. Um, but no, I mean, I'm still excited. I, I think as much as cool as it maybe could have been um, for Morocco to advance. I think this is the matchup after Brazil went out and we missed out on Brazil, Argentina uh, that we were all looking forward to and Bobby versus Messi, um, you know, a lot of legacy stuff on the line here. Um, I think it's going to be interesting in the fact that I, I mean, we'll talk about this when we get to the bets. This could be all over the place. It's really hard to get a feel for this match. Um, So I'm, I'm really like from a, a nerdy tactical like spreadsheet perspective well, well, looking well, forward well, hold to on, Brad, hold, hold on, hold on. I know you you have a hard time getting your inner nerd and, and putting a collar on him and keeping him from coming out. But we do want to talk about a few things before we get to the game. Although I love your diligence in diving right in. You are a single tracked mind right now. Nothing else can distract you away from this uh, final that's happening on Sunday. Yeah. Well, like I said, man, just just ready train tracks or I'm just on the track. Maybe I'm ready to go, but let's say, let's say, let's talk about the other stuff first. Cool. So I uh, want to do some very fast reminiscing since this is our last uh, show of the world cup. So I want to talk about some of your favorite moments thus far as we head into the final and then talk a little bit about the individual awards. Then we'll take a break and we'll, then we'll really dive into the final matchup. Uh, and I keep saying final matchup. The third place game will not merit a mention on the show. It is an abomination. It is the stupidest game in the entire soccer universe. So we will not be talking about that today. Uh, but what we will be talking about is some of our favorite moments. So, Brett, uh, I have you know four written down, but I'm going to cede the floor to you. I'm sure we have some overlap, particularly with the number one on my list. What have been your favorite moments that you will remember from this World Cup thus far? Uh, I mean, we've talked about this uh, quite a bit, but um, the second half of the third slate of games from Group E uh, with Japan, Spain, Germany, and Costa Rica, just pure chaos, a different team, two different teams were qualified multiple different times uh, over the span of like 20 minutes. Uh, I I mean, the minute you bring up this World Cup, that will be the first thing I think of was just that stretch of time how wild it was that every single team had a chance to go through their knockout rounds within a, a small stretch of time. I don't think I'll ever forget that. Uh, and, and ever forget watching both games at the same time and seeing the chaos unfold. Um, but I mean, a close number two, I got to say it, Hakimi's penalty uh, for Morocco. Uh, the oh, Panka. wow. Um, that was pretty, just the amount of, you know, the, the pressure of the moment, the the balls you got to have to pull off that kind of shot, like what it meant for Morocco, obviously, to convert it. Um, I just thought all that stuff was, uh, everything that packed into that one moment um, was pretty incredible. Uh, and then, I mean, I think the obviously as a U.S. fan, this one I'm I'm assuming we're overlapping here. Um, but Pulisic's goal, uh, I mean the, the header across from Dest, um, putting his body on the line to get the goal um, against Iran, like that was, I mean that's a legendary U.S. men's national team moment. Um, and then I think my final one would be, you know, we came into this having it the possibility of this being the Messi World Cup. They lose in fluky fashion to Saudi Arabia. Um, and then the Mexico game is a slog. And of course, 
who breaks it open with a wonder goal messy. Um, and just like that, that, I mean, it wasn't like a great, it wasn't one of his best goals by far. Um, but like, it was just that moment, like they were teetering on if they drew that match, they, they maybe don't get through. Um, and here he is the goat the, the best of all time, you know, pulling out a huge goal to break that game open, get him ahead, give him the three points, you know, get Argentina a clear track to like get through to the knockout rounds. Um, I mean, just like, that's the kind of moment that when you talk about great players and when great players deliver, like that was such a crucial moment for them. Yeah. Well, if you weren't sick, I'd point out that maybe we could have rotated back and forth before you read my entire list, but that's okay. Uh, I'll improvise here in the moment. Uh, pool sick goal is obviously the top of the list. Um, uh, just being in a large group watching that and seeing the place explode and hugging strangers and screaming and all those sorts of things is the, is the moment in time that I'll most carry away uh, from this world cup. And then, yes, I also had written down the Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, Japan, um, just unbelievable 30 minutes that we got to watch as high as drama as can get as those you know, four people battle out for two slots and kept sliding back and forth. I completely agree with you on that. Um, going further down my list, I had, I did have Messi, but I'll, I'll, I'll skip that one, uh, in deference to, to your list. I think the Netherlands set piece goal against Argentina is oh, yeah. the uh, other That's goal true. that I will remember the most from this world cup. Just not just given the drama, not just given the teams involved, like the Netherlands and, and Argentina are both heavyweights. The Netherlands having never won and getting last life in Messi in his final world cup run. Like it was just a very, um, not just dramatic, like it was cinematic. It was if you're gonna write a movie about this World Cup, that is the like crescendo moment where the guy does something completely unexpected, comes through in a in a moment at the end. Like I, I called you afterwards, or we talked recently. It kind of rem- reminded me of the movie Major League, where he set up over the ball, Jake, and Taylor. Pointing out, Jake Taylor's pointing out to the wall. And then all of a sudden, instead of trying to hit the homer, he lays down the bunt and surprises everybody and cue the music and uh, cue, the, cue the tears as everybody cries as, as the Indians advance in the playoffs. And that's kind of what the Netherlands felt, even though, you know, they kind of went out um, not there for, soon after, uh, didn't end up winning that game. And then, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, no, I was go gonna, ahead. I, I was going to say, um, you know, the, that, that match, just the end of that match in general, um, was definitely chaotic. Like the moments, I don't think the soccer was great. And, and we talked about this a little bit, but I mean, like Parade is like <laughs> basically being a heel coming in like a madman, slide tackling, ball getting kicked into the bench, teams going at it. Like the, the intensity of that, I'll probably remember that match, not for the soccer, um, but just for the comeback, the, the ballsy set piece call, like you said, was out of a cinematic event in a movie um, where you probably, if you wrote it into a movie, you'd be like, dude, this is like, too cheesy like this crazy set play at the end of a soccer uh, match like come on and, and, you know victory exists there is no too cheesy ending for soccer i mean we're talking about the goal uh allowing them to escape the nazis and being carried out of the stadium so i, I think the bars would set too high for anything to be unrealistic in a soccer movie yeah that's true that's true but i didn't mean to interrupt your flow you got at least one more and then i'm going to add one to the list that i just kind of popped into my head recently here Cool. The the last one I would say is only one team ends up winning the World Cup. And, you know, I threw Pulisic out there uh, as my favorite memory because of my rooting interest. But just the pain that 31 teams end up ultimately feeling as they're not able to lift the cup and the personification of that pain in the form of Harry Kane missing the penalty and Romelu Lukaku having the most disastrous half of uh, world cup football in my lifetime that I can remember and allowing oh, Belgium and one. England to crash out. So, uh, while, you know, the first three are kind of moments of reverie and moments of glory, the Kane and Lukaku combination is the other thing I'll carry away from this cup. Yeah. I think the only one, uh, I mean, the Lukaku one's a great one. I, I, I can't believe that one slipped my mind when we were thinking about this. God, what a crazy, awful second half. Um, but the, the sun assist, uh, to Wong Hee Chan, for the South Korea goal to put him through and, and not just the goal, um, but also son's reaction um, after the match was like everything a fan wants to see from a player in a world cup. You saw the relief, uh, the, just the sheer emotion that like overtook him, you know, by lifting his team to the knockout stages and, and kind of an unexpected result that, I mean, that, that is the thing that fans really love from the world cup. You, you love to see how much it means to the players. And so the combination of, 
of him willing his team basically to that goal and just being overcome with emotion after he accomplished that feat. Um, unfortunately, it didn't, didn't work out well in the next round for him, but um, that moment was pretty special. I think it's the kind of thing we all want to see how much these guys care and how much the, how much pride and emotion they have in terms of representing their country. Yeah, and I think even while we're talking about it, I mean, I think the World Cup, more than maybe any other sporting event is the ultimate like journey versus destination. Like some, most of the memories that I have from the world cup weren't necessarily in finals. So as we prepare to go into a final, I, I like reflecting on what we'll actually remember from this world cup because the finals can sometimes end up being forgettable. If yes, you know, my yeah. biggest memories from 2010, it's not just Landon Donovan, but it's also Suarez versus Ghana and things like that. That didn't happen in the final. I think notable exception being Zidane's headbutt. Uh, in 2006, yeah. which, which did happen in the final. So that we could get a great game. We could get drama, but uh, we could also get something that, you know, doesn't live up to our other memories, but that's perfectly okay. The journey of this World Cup has been very special. And the fact that it only happens every four years makes it even more important to you know, kind of take in every moment along the way. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I definitely think that a lot of the iconic moments that I remember from previous World Cups, I mean, obviously most of them were U.S. related, but they definitely were stuff that wasn't finals related. So I hope people have been tuning in for the entirety of this and aren't just hoping to get their moment uh, in the sunlit for the finals match because missed a lot of good stuff otherwise. Sure did. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the individual awards and then we'll take a quick break and dive into that final match, which could be a classic or could be a dud. And we'll discuss why it could be, uh, could be the one. Uh, so first I want to walk through the, the betting odds though, Brett. So the golden boot, which goes to the highest score in the world cup. Uh, there's only really four people that are practically eligible. So yes, somebody could have six goals in the final and win it. Uh, but you know, that's not something that that's likely to happen. Uh, it's kind of down to four people. It's Lionel Messi, who's minus 110, Mbappe, who's minus 110, Giroud, who's plus 1100, or Alvarez, who's plus 1100. Uh, is there any name in there that you think is good value, or is this something where you'd rather bet, you know, these kind of events in the final versus rooting for uh, a future bet to come in on the boot? Yeah, I I think that Messi's and I mean I have him in my five plan to give that away. Messi's anytime goal scoring numbers are just much better value um, than betting him to win the Golden Boot at this point. Um, I also think that Giroud, which we'll get into later, um, should and maybe <laughs> could be one one of the lineup casualties if it's not in at the starting eleven, um, but at halftime or early on in the second half. Um, so I think he's a risk if you're trying to bet a come from behind. You know, Giroud, handsome man, two goal moment where he wins the uh, uh, the golden boot. Um, and I think Alvarez has gotten <laughs> very lucky this World Cup with some of the goals that he scored. Um, so I think that one, if you're looking for long shots, isn't that great either. Um, and then that leaves you with Mbappe and Messi, both not great numbers, both have better anytime goal scoring numbers for the match itself. Um, so I think it's better just to bet it in the match. Yeah, I, the only pushback I'd give you on that is if none of them score, then Messi wins. Uh, so you do get if current state holds, you get uh, and you're able to win on the messy bet here. Whereas if none of them score, you're going to lose on any of your anytime bets. And the reason he wins is he's also ahead in assists. Yeah. Uh, so he has three assists, and Bappe has two assists. Um, and otherwise, they you know they're kind of even. I think it's worth noting for gamblers out there there is a third tiebreaker if they're tied on assists and tied on goals. So if Mbappe doesn't score but does get an assist, Mbappe ends up actually winning. Uh, because the third tiebreaker is fewer minutes played, and Messi's played, I think, like 90 minutes more than Mbappe so far at this cup. So I think if uh, if you you know kind of want to just take steady state, then the Messi minus 110 is not a bad bet whatsoever. But if you are expecting any of the three people to catch or surpass him, then you're better off betting any of the other three in their in-game odds. Agree 100%. Cool. So the golden ball, uh, which goes to the best player in the tournament, not actually the best scorer, but the best player. But in this particular tournament, there's heavy overlap between those two. Yeah, I was um, going to say. Uh, Messi is minus 500. Mbappe is plus 450. Griezmann is plus 1,000. Everybody else is kind of a, a pretty pretty big long shot at this point. It's also a really weird award, Brett. They, they vote on it before the game ends. Uh, so... One reason Messi's minus 500 is like all the goodwill he's banked so far in the tournament, also the storyline and the legend and all those sorts of things. But like 
he like Mbappe could score the 90th minute on a bicycle kick where he lands on his feet and the votes are already in. So it doesn't really, it's really hard to predict this award. Yeah. I mean, and it's also one of those things where how can it not be messy? Like even, even with the result here, unless they just get, unless they get throttled in the first half or something, um, the, the narrative push of Messi winning that award just seems way too strong. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the odds, the value just, I don't think is there on that one. Yeah, I agree. Um, if I think if you know, the, the votes were going to happen after this game, then I think Griezmann at plus 1000 would be the best bet on here. Cause he has been extraordinarily impactful throughout the tournament. And, you know, with one or two iconic moments in the finals, he could, you know, shoot all the way up the list and plus a thousands, not a bad shout, but because I think the votes are already in for the most part in people's brains. Uh, I agree with you. There's no real value here. Uh, last one I want to do is young player of the tournament. Uh, this one's a little more fun. Enzo Fernandez, your boy is the favorite at minus two fifty. Uh, Josco over from Croatia is plus 500 pair of Englanders and Jude Bellingham is plus 500 Sockets plus 1600. And then Giancarlo Ramos is plus 6,500 after his hat trick for Portugal. Is it Enzo all the way or do you it's think any of these other guys can get him? It's Enzo all the way. Um, he, I mean, he has been the catalyst for the change in this Argentinian side. Um, obviously when he got subbed on in their second match in group is really where they saved their tournament. Um, and he has kind of played as that lone six. He's allowed Messi to do messy things higher up the pitch. Um, he's just a really good young player. He's also scored some pretty big goals. He almost had the walk off one a goal too against the Netherlands in extra time, like right as time was expiring. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that this one is just, and so all the way he's, he's really good. The, the storyline behind and the, and the correlation between when he started playing and when Argentina started looking like a, a clear favorite to get to the final, um, you know, go hand in hand. So I don't know how you can take it from him. I, I can't, I can't think of an argument for the other players that makes any sense. Well, I think the only other person who has a serious argument is Jude Bellingham because Jude Bellingham was just tremendous in this tournament. I thought he was one of the best five players in the whole tournament. And the fact that he's on the list should make him eligible, but they didn't make the final. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, the track record of the team will get factored in, but if you ask who is the most impactful guy on here, I mean, I guess in terms of winning, you can't argue against Enzo, but on actual on field game to game, I thought Jude Bellingham made the biggest impact in a game, but you're right. It's probably going to be Enzo. Uh, we just did 10 or five to six minutes on awards that are, you all think you think, <laughs> and I largely think are settled. Uh, so you're welcome, everybody. That was tremendous content. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and take our break, and then we'll get to the main event here. Enough appetizers. Have you been betting with the Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up, because every bet earns with Caesars Rewards. That means, win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code OMAHAFULL and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, You'll get your stake back as a free bet. 21 years plus only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 or more wager only must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit, $1,250 must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas. Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call one 800 bets off Louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Okay, we are back and we are ready to talk about the World Cup final, Brett. For any of you under a rock, it is Argentina versus France. It is Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern. That is 7 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. here in Austin. Uh, Not very often the most popular event of the sporting calendar. I mean, at least on the global scale, it's going to happen, you know, over eggs. But here we are. It's going to be incredibly exciting. Hope you'll get up and really enjoy this match. Uh, all right. The odds for our final matchup of the 2022 World Cup is an actual coin flip. I don't. I pulled it up last night to dive into it and to do my show prep, and I couldn't believe that Vegas has kind of just thrown their hands up entirely and told the markets to figure it out themselves. In the regulation, in the 90 minutes, it is Argentina plus 175. France plus 175, the draw plus 200. To lift the trophy, both sides are minus 110. They're not giving any edge whatsoever at Caesars to either side. Um, a couple of other numbers just to throw out the Argentina double chance, which means they either win in regulation or it goes to extra time, is minus 225. And France is minus 240 in their double chance. So there's a slight deviation there. Final number worth throwing out. Over two and a half goals is plus 145. The under is minus 185. All right, Brett. Uh, you kind of previewed it at the top of the show. You're looking at this matchup. And just like Vegas, you seem to not know what to do with it. So go ahead and walk us through your thoughts. All right. So I, I spent a whole string uh, after the semifinals here trying to figure out where I would land. Because I think for the most part, maybe we've gotten obviously certain bets wrong. Um, but I think for the most part, we've gotten the general state of matches mostly right. Um, and with this one, it's a little strange. So when Argentina was in the semifinal against Croatia, um, Croatia had done a good job previously in the tournament of maintaining possession. And so they went with like a 4-4-2 essentially to kind of counterattack. Um, and so France has, despite all the talent that they have, um, their midfield is just not it's, it's very weird. Uh, like Jim Manning is a great player. I think he's going to be a, a great player. Fofana did a couple of things that were okay in the last match. Um, but part of the reason why I think they have played more passive and, and not try to control matches is they have just felt better about getting Mbappe in space and just playing in, in that kind of more counterattacking role rather than, you know, trying to put their foot on someone's next pressing, winning the ball back high, trying to pin teams in their final third, all that kind of stuff. And so essentially what that means is when you come into this match is you might have two teams that are just having a staring contest at the ball when it's at um, the midfield line. And because I don't think either one is going to want to necessarily play in a way where they're going to try to dominate possession and stretch themselves a little bit. And so that makes this game, like when I picture it in my head, very weird to kind of play out. Um, and then another part of it is there's a little bit of, of Drew like Ronaldo crossover with Ronaldo from United last year, um, where Drew numbers have been great. Like, obviously, we just talked about him. Like, he's in the race for the golden boot. Um, he's created a ton of shots. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, Drew's not like a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it was really hard watching that semifinal against Morocco when they went up. And when Morocco was actually, you know, 
pushing forward to try to get the equalizing goal. Drew was kind of like a hood ornament out there. Um, he wasn't a guy that you could play through in the break. He wasn't ever going to combine with Mbappe on a counter. Um, they, they weren't even really trying to like lump the ball up to him for him to knock it down and then play it back. Um, and I, it really felt like in that match, more than anything, um, you could have felt the need for them to maybe play another midfielder to try to get a little bit more control of the match. Um, and to then maybe move Mbappe centrally, try to play the ball into space over the top for counterattacks, things like that. And I think part of the reason why France in general has been so unimpressive I, since the Australia game where we're like, holy crap, like this team is going to blow the doors off everybody is Drew in particular and a 4-2-3-1 that they play with them is kind of designed to beat the crap out of really bad teams like Australia. Um, no offense, and then they made the, <laughs> the knockout rounds, but they were not very good. Um, and so I think that's what we're seeing is as the competition and you brought this up before the England match was tilted towards England. And that's a concern. This Morocco match, the XG, the underlying numbers, they look great for France, but it basically came on one huge chance. Uh, and with Muane's goal was, I think a 0.61 XG chance. Um, dude, that, that Morocco match, I mean, forget about the XG, like Morocco's midfield overpowered France midfield. Yes, they absolutely overran that. I mean, like Rabio came into this tournament as somebody that I wasn't 100% sure on. And now I'm 100% sure that he's indispensable to France because you take him out of there and all of a sudden Morocco's running riot. They also, and I, I don't know if you think uh, Argentina will do the same thing, they were doing this really like severe overload to the right yeah. side of the field. Uh, taking advantage of of Hernandez and you know the absence uh, of Rabio and and of course and Colo and Golo Conte who might be out there and, and be able to control things if he wasn't uh, you know hurt. So do you as you, I mean I want I want you to continue to give your analysis, but like yes, France has shown serious holes. Not only did England uh, dominate them, but that Morocco game. I don't care if the XG was two point one to one. Morocco that was a damn fight. Like that wasn't an exhibition. They really took it to them. And I think exposed some the holes in the France tactics. Yeah. And I mean, and this is like a really good, you know, reminder that like single XG or single game XG sort of useful, but it also requires like any stat, a, a bunch of context. Right. So when you look at the original opening goal, um, you know, it came off like a weird series of deflected shots. And then Hernandez was right there. I thought it was a really tough finish that they converted. It's definitely wasn't like this clear chance where he was tapping it into an empty net. And, and so what does that match look like if Morocco doesn't have to press from behind really early in the match? Cause I think that goal happened what in the fourth minute or fifth minute. Right. Um, yeah. And so like, what does that match look like? Because the Morocco had the same problem that the U S did. The minute they had to put their foot on the gas, where they had to press, where they tried to win the ball back, where they're trying to pin it in the imposing third, you know, they only have a handful of pretty good players, Bufal, Zayic, um, and, and Asari. Um, and, you know, they were dealing with injuries. Like Saiz went off their center back. Uh, Mazari went off their left back. Um, you know, Hakimi and Zayic can only do too much, although I thought they looked really super dangerous combining on that right-hand side like you were talking about. Um and so that's what I think about a lot. It's like France gets this early go. It goes up. It changes the state of the game. Morocco has to uh, drop into their energy reserves. And that doesn't happen if that game stays nil-nil for a while, right? Um, and then, of course, you know, the same thing with the, the second France goal. Deflected shot from Mbappe, who was trying to dribble through three guys. It, it goes, deflects perfectly, almost like it looked like a pass. The guy's got an open whole side of the net. And that's going to skew the underlying numbers. Um, and I think it skews our perception of the match, both in terms of the the actual scoreline and in terms of the underlying numbers that we refer to a lot here. So uh, essentially, this is a simple way of saying France was not impressive. Um, I, I, I think you can make a case pretty clearly that Morocco was the better team. And with all the dangerous possession they had, it was actually surprising they didn't get off four or five more dangerous shots. Um and, you know, again, the quality of Moroccan subs are not going to be this comparable to the quality of subs from Argentina. Um, you know, you're not going to have Lautra Martinez coming off the bench <laughs> like Argentina is. Um, so I, I think in a lot of ways, if Argentina played a style that I thought was more conducive to controlling a match, I would be way more bullish in saying I, I think they're a clear favorite. But because they have played kind of like a, a relatively passive style against some of the better teams that they played, I 
don't really see that playing out right. And so then what does that mean for the flaws that we've seen in France, right? Um, I, I still think the fact that the bookmakers are, are making this even across the board, I still think that gives you value on Argentina's side because I think even with some of the ambiguity, I do think that they, to me, they're the, they're the, they're the favorite going into this match. I think they're, they've been the better team despite having a manager that does weird, not right stuff. Because um, France has been very average basically since Australia. Yeah, well, in some ways, it's a litmus test of how you view sports and view this individual matchup, right? Because uh, France has by far the lower basement and, and probably by far the higher ceiling, given the collection of talent they have. Yeah. Argentina is more steady state, right? Like Messi only will let their basement go so low. But, you know, Messi's playing with kids that aren't as battle tested as the France team that is the defending champion. Uh, so like, if you're like, Hey, I just see the upside of France and I want to bet on France because their best game will destroy Argentina's best game. I've heard that case before. I probably made that case before I bet on that case before, or if you want to go with a team, that's going to, you know, a team that has been consistently better than their opponents throughout the tournament. Like no matter how sublime Brazil might've been or sublime France might've been, or, uh, England might've been or anybody else. Argentina has just been whoever they played. They have been better than whoever they have played. And they did it again to Croatia. That game was not close. Um, they dominated them kind of from stem to stern. And even the Netherlands, while even you know going to extra times, like Argentina was the better team throughout that game. And it's been the story of the entire world cup. So in my philosophy, I tend to gravitate towards that, right? Like I know this is going to be a weird analogy, but in fantasy football, when I play fantasy football, I'm happy to have the type of team that always has at least 90 points and, you know, maybe can get up to 120 where other people are like, yeah, I'm going to have 150 or I'm going to have 60. My feeling is like, if I'm always in a winning range, then the other team has to do something spectacular to beat me. And they're not going to do the more spectacular thing more often than not. So that's where I kind of start looking at this game. And then I start looking at the tactics that you're talking about with Morocco. One, you're absolutely right about the bounce of the ball. Uh, not only did they you know, get that deflection that went right into the path uh, for France to get their second goal. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from the Hernandez goal because the technique that he got, like even if it was a lucky bounce. How oh, many yeah, that was a great goal. How, how yeah. many times have we seen that ball go sailing over the bar or off the side of the foot or out over the touchline? But the tactic of overlining the right side and exposing uh, the problems they have there and to watch Hakimi run rough shot over them. Well, guess who's on the right side for Argentina? A guy named Lionel Messi. Yeah. Uh, so if Lionel Messi is going to you know, be running in that space and they were struggling to contain Morocco in it, I think he's going to do tremendous damage. So all that being said, I tend to want to back Argentina in this game. But it's, it's Vegas is right. Like it's far from a slam dunk, right? Like it's probably yeah. like 60, 40 either way. And then it's just a matter of how you want to view uh, this one game, not 10 games, but this one game playing out. Yeah. So I have a question for you because this is something that's been rattling around in my head. Obviously soccer is random. You can't really take too much from game to game um, in a lot of ways. Um, but Kylian Mbappe has four shots in the last two matches. You obviously brought up how the combo of Hendo and Walker kind of neutralized him a little bit in the England match. I thought his play against Morocco was really weird. He kept trying to just like draw fouls or like take a yeah. bunch of guys on. I, he averages almost five shots a match in his club thing. And he's taken four in the last two matches of a world cup when he yeah. is quite clearly the guy. Are you concerned that there's something pressing him to not play at an optimal level right now? Well, uh, I mean, his ankles are concerned, right? Like he keeps favoring it and grabbing it and going down yeah. to the turf. That could be theatrics or that could be real. It's hard to know the difference because short of it getting amputated, I can't imagine him, you know, willingly sitting out of, uh, sitting out a game. I also think that like tactics have adjusted, right? I mean, I think, uh, I, I think, and we'll never know. I think that we talked about Pogba being absent. I, we talked about Conte being absent. And that makes a big difference in the midfield and the connectivity to getting him the ball in space uh, like he likes. But Benzema missing this tournament yeah. and like love Oliver Giroud. Uh, he could never actually be a hood ornament because no car manufacturer is going to let their car look ugly next to what he's putting on, put on the top there because he's just so such a beautiful man. Uh, but he is a limited player, not just in his prime, but even in his advanced age where Benzema is, you know, 
was the best player in the world a year ago. And so I think what a lot of what we're seeing is teams daring Giroud to actually beat them. And yes, he does have four goals. He's getting more space than um, he used to because we're seeing so much shading over to Mbappe. Like Walker and Hendo, they had one thing in their brain, which was to take him out of the game. And I think Morocco had some of the similar thing. Will Argentina do it as well? I don't know. But if he's... One, not playing in a farmer's league. He's playing in a World Cup. So if he's getting all five shots for his club league team, that's a little different going against, you know, some team from Southern France versus playing on the world's biggest stage. Um, but also, I think tactically, he's getting more attention than he normally would because of the absences elsewhere on the field. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, part of the thing with Drew that I think would in my mind, pushed to necessitate a change is that he is, a, he is a classic target man, right? Toby, like we know his game. Um, the, he's going to be the guy that's in the box. So part of the reason why he takes such good advantage of attention being paid to Mbappe on the left or Dembele on the right is that his thing is to literally sit in the box, wait for a ball to come in and try to put it on the, on the, on the goal front. Um, and so I think part of the reason why he looked so good in why France so looked so good against a team like Australia, who essentially just like seeded possession. They didn't want any of the ball. They were just going to try to counter um, was that he can do that. France can have a bunch of possession in the final third, which increases his value of being a guy that just sits in the box and gets on the end of things. If this ends up being a match where Argentina controls more of the possession, um, then Giroud, like his thing doesn't have as much value because he's not linking up play. He's not combining with anybody. He's not going to be great countering the space or dragging defenders away from the box, uh, especially which would be especially valuable if Argentina rolls out a back three, um, which I would bet that, that that's what we're going to see. Um, mostly because they would put, they would with a back three, you would have uh, Molina Romero and DePaul basically on the, on that right-hand side where Messi or where Mbappe is going to be sitting. Um, so I, I think he's just, he is, I think what we're basically what I'll, I'll end with is I think we're going to look at Giroud's performance in this match as a measuring stick for basically how this turns out. Um, if he ends up being a problem for Argentina, clearly there was the, there was a right choice in terms of Deschamps sticking with him. If he just looks like he did after they went up a goal against Morocco, which was 90 or whatever extra time was 90 something minutes. Um, he, I think we're going to look back and say that we should have seen Camavinga, you know, we should have, we should Rabio's, you know, illness, if he doesn't play or plays limited, um, is going to come back to haunt him. Uh, I think he is going to be the guy. I think he, despite the fact, this is all going to be about Messi and Mbappe. He is going to be the guy who matters the most in my opinion. Yeah. Well, it continues to parallel the 2016 NBA finals, right? Like, LeBron got all the the credit and all the spotlight for coming back to Cleveland and leading them to a title. Like that's obviously messy in this regard. France is the dominant force in global soccer, having won the last World Cup and continue to produce this golden generation after golden generation of talent. Like that feels a little bit like the Warriors, uh, but people, you know, sometimes might not think about it as soccer fans. The 2016 finals didn't come down to LeBron or Steph Curry or anybody else. It came down to Kyrie Irving hitting an insane shot that ended up winning the the clinching game. And so these players around the two intergalactic superstars that everybody's focusing on are more likely to end up determining the match. And the only other thing I'd say comparing this to 2016 finals is the biggest difference uh, is that the, the Draymond Green role is actually played by Enzo Fernandez. Is he's definitely <laughs> the guy most likely to kick somebody in the nuts. <laughs> well, him or Paredes for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, that's that's kind of a good way to look at it is that we are you could get up in the caught up in the star power of this match, of which there's plenty. Um, and obviously Mbappe and Messi are essentially, you know, depending on how you view Erling Haaland's goal scoring uh, one and two in the world right now. Still, I mean, Messi, even at this age, it's pretty much undisputable that he's still one of the best out there. Um, but a, a lot of this is going to come down to guys like Giroud, uh, you know, guys like Enzo, um, even if someone like Alexis McAllister is probably going to play an outsized role in, in, in DePaul in terms of their, their pressing and their closing down and their shading towards a certain sign to shut down um, Mbappe. Those guys are going to all matter quite a bit. It, it won't probably matter too much in betting, but it'll matter how they play in terms of what you're going to bet for the scoreline, uh, what you're yeah. going to bet for shots, things like that. 
All right. Well, let's, let's dig into that for a moment. So, I mean, just to put a bow on it, um, I, you know, I am going with Argentina, but I'm going with them just to lift the trophy at minus 110. Uh, I, I don't see the, the range of outcomes here being like Argentina absolutely blows them off the pitch. And I know you can get the plus 175 or taking them in regulation, but because that range of out- outcomes is tighter, I am going to take the extra juice, um, put it down to minus 110, but bet on the fact that Messi ends up with his storybook ending. Yeah, I, I'm a little more bullish on him, I think, um, or maybe it's just more I'm a little more down on France. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm up for the plus 175 uh, to win in, in 90. Um, I, I think this match, and I'm going to get to a prop bet real quick because it's going to tie into this, but um, the first half under of 0.5 goals is plus 122. And I think everything that we're talking about, uh, the way that you know we can't get a feel for this match, I think that's going to go into how this match actually starts. Uh, I think these two teams are going to play very cautiously, trying to get a feel for like how this is going to play out and where the spots in the field that are going to be open. Um, So I don't think this is going to be like a rip roaring Argentina is going to put pressure on them from the jump and then get their goal and end up hanging on a win. I think this is going to be a slow start match. And then I think in the second half, I think we're going to start to see that Argentina simply being the better team. And probably at this point, given the midfield disaster that is France right now, might bring on better subs, um, you know, kind of across the board. Um, so I, I do think the second half is where this game opens up, which kind of, I guess, contradicts saying you're going to do it at 90 because you're basically saying they're going to have to do it in the final 45 minutes. But I'm pretty confident that with time in this match, once Messi figures out where he can find a space, where he can create from, where the weak points in the defenses are, I think he's going to unlock France for at least a goal. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about props and gameplay. Now that we gave out the the big number, which is who we thought we was going to end up winning the, yeah. the match at the end. Uh, I will admit I'm probably thinking more with my heart than my head, but that worked out well for me in the semifinals where the math said that Morocco was you know, a better odd, but um, betting the square bets ended up paying off very, very well for me. I don't, Maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's just because I don't want to see it, but I don't see it being as cautious as you do. I think both of these teams uh, want to play a little bit more on the front foot. And while, yes, uh, you think there might be a staring contest in the middle, that, that actually isn't going to happen. Somebody's going to have to have the ball. And when they have the ball, I think we're going to see a lot of probing and some uh, aggressive tactics, which therefore opens up space for, for them to be countered by whichever team doesn't do it. So I think we're going to see some goals in this match. Um, and most of the props that I like the most align with that idea, starting with the over two and a half goals, which you're getting at a great number at plus 145. Like this number is often, you know, plus 110 to minus 120. So a lot of the betting community does see the game exactly like you, which is good for, um, for your point of view, since you know, they didn't, they're not demolishing casinos. They keep building them. Uh, <laughs> but I I don't know. I like the number and I like that it aligns with what I want in this matchup, which is not just people staring at the ball at the center circle. Yeah, I would say the only pushback I would have against that is um, we probably need to see how Argentina lines up. I think that'll make a huge difference in terms of the value on that line. My gut reaction is we're going to see a back three. We're going to see Lissandra Martinez, uh, Otamendi and Romero flanked by I'm, I'm guessing it'll maybe be like Akuna, who's kind of started in the matches that they've, I think they've been trying to be more defensive. Um, and then Molina on the other side with the midfield of McAllister, um, DePaul and Enzo. And then obviously uh, Julian Alvarez and then Messi will kind of be up top. If we see that, I really, I can't connect the value between an over. If they go like a four, three, three, which they have done, Maybe because, like you said, they think they can get out on the front foot against France and France are vulnerable, then absolutely 2-1 score lines are 100% in this range. Um, so, and we talk about this all the time in the pot, right? Like, you got to look at the starting 11s. You've got to see who's in them. You've got to see how they line up because it will absolutely impact where the value of the lines are. 
That's an excellent point. Unfortunately, we're recording on Thursday morning, so uh, I'm not going to have the benefit of being able to look at that as I dive deeper and deeper into 2-1, score lines, which are probably uh, fantastical and won't actually happen, but somehow is what I'm going to lay my money behind. Um, I wrote down a bunch of props, Brett, and I'm sure you probably have some as well, mm-hmm. but I, I just want to get these numbers out into the listener's universe, and then you can tell me which ones of this list that you like. I think these are they're pretty popular bets. Uh, if if you do believe that Brett's right and you want some extra juice, that this might be you know something in the one oh nil nil range uh, at, at the end of regulation, the under one point five goals is plus one sixty five, which I like getting the plus one sixty five uh, from under one point five rather than the minus one eighty five at under two point five. I think that's a pretty big gap. That's worth playing and exploiting if that's the way you think the game's going to go. Because the only thing you lose out on is kind of 1-1 there. Or I guess 2-0. Uh, all right, so win to nil on either side. Another way to play what, what Brett's putting forth to you guys. France is plus 310. Argentina's plus 295. So if you think it's going to be 1-0, 2-0, then pick what side you like, and you can get a whole lot better number than you're getting on the um, plus 175 just to win. Uh, this one is, is fun. And I think I might end up doing something with this, at least a little bit. Come from behind and win or draw. Argentina is plus 440. France is plus 430. So if you think the team that doesn't get the first goal gets the corresponding uh, follow-up goals to either win or force extra time, you can get a huge number on that. Uh, To win in extra time, both are plus 1,100. To win on penalties, both are plus 850. I don't particularly like either of those because those are pretty limited in game state. But if you got a read on it, then those are huge numbers that you can chase. Uh, both to score, yes is plus 105, no is minus 135. The time of first goal, one of my favorite bets, uh, over the 30th minute is minus 105. So if you agree with Brett that this is going to be a second half goal that's going to decide this, that's a great way to play it. And either I side can like that bet a lot. Yeah. Um, both score, no draw is plus 240. Match result in two or more goals. Argentina is plus 300. France is plus 290. Argentina to win either half is plus 105. France to win either half is plus 102. And a goal in both halves is plus 135. All right. There's a smorgasbord of numbers for you to dive into, Brett. Uh, besides the time of first goal over 30th minute, minus 105, which both of us love. Uh, which ones kind of jumped out to you as worth playing? Well, I think it's more the ones that jumped out to me that are worth fading. Um, are the what you you mentioned it after you mentioned them? I think the winning and extra time, the winning and penalties. I just don't see that playing out to the value that you have. I don't think this match gets that far um, in multiple ways. One, I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that this match is going to end in the ninety. Um, I mean, really, like all of Argentina's matches in the, in the knockout rounds should have ended in 90 minutes. Obviously they melted down a little bit against the Netherlands. Um, and I, I don't see anything in France in France's play where if they start giving up goals, one or two, they're not locked down enough defensively to hold the clean sheet. So I, I think a lot of the ones I think I would fade would be the clean sheet bets, the extra points, uh, the extra time and the penalties bets, because if there's any one of those that maybe works out um, is the Argentina is plus 295, right? For the clean sheet win. Uh, Argentina plus 295. Yes, sir. Yeah. So that one to me is probably the only one that has a little bit of value. Um, but I also think that you're going to count on a couple of things. One that Scaloni makes the right decisions as far as the subs and his tactics to get it started. Two, Emmy Martinez is going to have to actually start saving shots that come in his goal. Um, and, and he has been pretty poor as far as post-shot XG, which is a stat that we mentioned before. Um, he has given up basically the most goals over expectation of any goalkeeper in the tournament, at least going into the semifinals. Um, and, and now he's a traditionally like a pretty average shot, shot stopper in the Premier League where he plays for Aston Villa. Um, you know, remember to keep listening to us if you just started listening to us now in the World Cup. Um so I, I, he has to come up big. I, I think, you know, I, this sounds silly. It's not rooted in anything other than just like Mbappe's great. Mbappe is going to get loose for probably a pretty high quality chance. And Amy Martinez is going to have to come up at least once or twice with that save. 
I think there is a, a world where plus 295, you're getting value for that. For that. But you definitely need the, the, a combination of two things to happen. One, the right tactics, the right personnel for the majority of the match. Uh, two, for Emmy Martinez in that moment or those two moments, he has to come up with the save this time. It cannot be the Netherlands all over again. Cool. Uh, I have a list of anytime goal scorers I want to read, so let's stay off on those props. But before we move okay. to that, are there any non-goal scorer props uh, that you want to bring out, or do you want to discuss any of the ones I read? Uh, out you hit you hit the time one. Um, I really like the over thirty-five minutes for the first goal. Um, I, I thirty brought minutes up, over, 30 over thirty minutes. 30, thirty minutes. Sorry, um, yeah. I I brought up um, already uh, the first half under uh, plus one twenty-two is uh, definitely one that I really like. In term, and again, this will be. This will be something that would change if I'm my formation in my head that they're coming out with is a back three. If there's a four, three, three, some of these will change. Um, but I do like those numbers, the goals that come later, the the lower score lines early on. I think those are good if you see the right formation. Yeah, uh, I, I it's a largely a gut feeling. I admit I don't have hardcore stats around this. I think Argentina scores first. Uh, and if I like Argentina to score first, a lot of my bets are going to line around that because um, one thing I like about France is I don't have to like doubt that they have goal scoring potential, right? Like it's not like the Netherlands or some other top teams or Spain. Yeah. When I entered the tournament, I was like, hey, where are goals coming from? We know where goals can come from from France. So if I think Argentina can get on the board first and France really has to go after it, that's where I like the overplays. That's where I like some of the other like plays that I said. If it goes as you said and it's nil-nil at, at halftime or you know nil-nil entering the 75th minute, then I'm probably going to flush a lot of money down the toilet. But I am betting on Messi to get an early goal uh, or generate an early goal for one of his teammates. Or I'm betting on France to lose their damn minds again and uh, give up yet another penalty which they've been prone to do thus far. Yeah, I mean, I there's the penalties with France is just very interesting, um, especially because they've been in flux with their back line a little bit with injuries and stuff. Um, and and you know, you just don't have that margin of error. Uh, and we saw with Alvarez, like I, I think Alvarez's stock is like going way too high right now. <laughs> um, but the thing that we have noticed about him throughout this tournament is he is going to make those hard runs in behind the defense. Obviously, we saw what happened where he legitimately drew the penalty against Croatia. Um, but the stuff with the penalties also will play into Messi's goal scoring. Um, and Alvarez is a guy that can do that. And, and like you said, there have been very questionable friends defending situations here. And with the guy like Alvarez, he's going to put pressure. He's really good at kind of getting on the back shoulder of guys, making that run in behind, running hard, consistently doing it. That is going to put continued pressure. If he gets one of those balls played in and it connects, you might see that last ditch tackle take him out. You might see Hugo Larissa step late to get to him and then body check him like Lovakovic did. So I think those are great. And I also think they tie in a messy goal scoring stuff, um, which I have a lot of. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Let's do the goal scorers then. Here's the ones I wrote down as I thought potentially interesting. And then add anybody you want or just pick from this list. Uh, Messi, anytime goal scorer is plus 160. Uh, that's an auto play for me. Yep. Uh, any plus number in this tournament, you know. I think it is for you as well. Um, Messi to score two is plus 900. I'm just putting that out into the universe. Uh, Mbappe anytime goal scorer is plus 188. Enzo Fernandez is plus 1000. Uh, Griezmann is plus 450 who I don't know if it's Mbappe or Griezmann taking the penalty. That would be really interesting if, if one happened, but I thought it was worth putting it out. I think he'll also have some space to operate in. And he hasn't uh, scored enough given the space that he's had thus far in the tournament. Uh, Dembele, almost the exact same thing I said about Griezmann, short of the penalty taking, is plus 600. Uh, Rabio, if he plays, we've seen him pop up on late runs in dangerous areas again and again in this tournament. It's plus 1,200. And then my favorite of the long shots is uh, Rafael Varane, is plus 2,000. And he's been the most active guy to me watching France set pieces yeah. to get up and attack the balls uh, off the set pieces, off the crosses. And I, defender scoring uh, and settling this thing somehow would seem like almost the right thing to happen. It doesn't come down to Messi. It doesn't come down to Mbappe. It doesn't come down to the, all these comes guys with firepower. <laughs> comes down to Varane heading in a ball in the 80th minute <laughs> off a set piece. Uh, first off, that that statement, Toby, was like chicken soup for me right now. Uh, I feel so good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I agree. Varane has definitely been the guy that seems the most dangerous to get on the end of set pieces. 
Um, and I think that there's a good chance that a lot of these goals might be, or there's a good chance that one of these goals is created from that. Um, I, I like Rabio as well. I mean, we have no idea what his health issue is, uh, but when he's played, Rabio has been very active in like getting into the box. Um, and that's a key thing when you're looking at kind of a long shot goal scorer. So the difference between like Rabio and Enzo is going to depend essentially on Argentina's formation. I think they're roughly the same odds, right? I think Rabio is 1,200 and Enzo is plus 1,000. That's correct. Okay. So Enzo has moved a little bit all over the formation. Um, if Paredes is on the pitch with him, he will be pushed forward. So you are probably getting a little bit more value um, at plus 1,000 with him. If Paredes is not on the pitch, he will probably be the guy that's playing the six role. And that's the role kind of right in front of the center backs in possession where his job will not be so much putting pressure on the opposing third. It'll be getting the ball into the opposing third. Um, so those are, that's going to matter. That's why formations are going to matter. Um, and then Rabio, if he plays and you feel like he's healthy or the word is like the champs comes out and says, he's hundred percent fine. We jabbed him up with horse steroids or whatever, and he's going to be foaming at the mouth. Um, Rabio is definitely a guy that's really sneaky at getting, he's not going to take a high volume of shots, but he will just like Everton legend, Davy Clausen, just pop up in the box unexpectedly be on the end of a great chance. And you just have to hope he convert it. And at plus 1200, you actually are getting the value there to do that. Um, but I, but my, my big one is I think Messi is supremely undervalued. I think France has some defensive frailties. I think the penalty situation, as we've talked about before, is going to be big. So all messy bets. <laughs> I have two. Yeah. I have the any. I have the anytime. I also, uh, you get to, I think that bumps up to plus 360 or 350, if I can read my handwriting, um, for him to be the first goal scorer. Yeah. And I think that, to me, is, is a really good bet. I think he is going to be the most influential player on the ball in this match. Um, and that's, if you're getting three oh, over three to one for him to be the guy that puts in the back of the net when he's the penalty taker as well. Uh, that just seems like almost a little too good to be true. Yeah. And it aligns with my gut feeling that Argentina gets on the board first. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like you juicing up in that way. And look, he's already announced this is his last world cup game. So uh, I think his legacy is pretty secure at this point. I think he is the goat uh, no matter kind of what happens in this game, but I mean, you want to make narrative-based bets, like it all starts and ends with Lionel Messi. Otherwise, you're, the other narrative-based bet is Mbappe is, is Pele reincarnated um, and that he wins his first two World Cups at a really young age, just like Pele did, and scores in finals just like Pele did. So I think we're looking at on the back of some pretty like like amazing historical narratives in this. And uh, if you like that style of betting, then you know the anytime goal scorers for both of those guys are worth playing. Well, I, I mean, I agree, and I am I'm definitely going to say I'm guilty of getting sucked into the messy narrative because I just feel like we want this story to end with him scoring a goal and winning. Um, but if you're looking for even more grounded stuff, here is Argentina's shot leaders. Uh, Messi has 23s. Uh, Lautaro Martinez has, uh, has 23 shots. Lautaro Martinez has 10, and Alvarez has 10. And Alvarez's 10 shots, if you actually go back and look, Six of them came against Poland in which Argentina had basically two matches worth of final third possession. Um, so it is, if you're just talking about guys that are simply going to be able to take the volume of shots to like create a goal, it is messy by a mile on this Argentinian team. Like yeah. not even close. Cause Martinez won't start. And Alvarez has had basically 60% of his shots come in one match in which they dominated a really poor team. Yeah. Yeah, Alvarez has given me some Michael Owen vibes. And maybe it's just the content of the World Cup because he made that amazing run in the World Cup at a young age and Alvarez just did the same thing. But uh, if that's true, then enjoy Alvarez while he's around because his career is not going to be 20 years long, um, unfortunately. So we'll see. Uh, all right, anything else in the prop game or the goal-scoring game uh, that you want to throw out, Brett, before we No, I mean, I, I, th this was something, I mean, all, pretty much everything that I got excited about um, and reason I kind of am consolidating where my bets are are, are the stuff that we've, we've pretty much talked about. And, and a lot of this, too, is like, you know, I mean, pay attention. Just I can't say this enough. Pay attention to who Argentina starts. It's going to influence what bets you need to take. All right. 
Great advice. Uh, let's take our final break and come back for our five pint and get everybody out of here on the way to the World Cup Finals. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, welcome back and welcome to the end of the World Cup. We have our final five pint for this tournament. I made a pretty big comeback on Brett in the last round by taking my yep. square bets and betting Messi and betting Argentina and betting France instead of Morocco, which uh, was Brett's downfall. But Brett is still up. Thanks to that France-England game. He's up by two pints entering this, um, well, it's not even our last round of December, but our last round of World Cup betting. Uh, for my five pint, I am going to go with Argentina to lift the trophy and minus 110, as previously discussed. And then I am playing a wild array of uh, goal scoring just to align with my interest. I'm going with over 2.5 goals at plus 145. I'm going with both score, no draw, which is the funnest bet you can possibly place if you're in neutral, because now you're just rooting for goals and there for there to be an outcome and not a draw and go into extra time. So I love this for big games. It's plus two. It's plus two forty. So you're getting a bigger number on it than you normally do because I think uh, the sharps like Brett are all betting on less scoring activity, which makes this bet less likely to hit. Messi anytime goal scorer auto play plus one sixty. And then just as a slight hedge against uh, all of my Argentina love in the first couple of bets, I'm going with France to come from behind to win or draw at plus 430. Argentina gets on the board first, gives me a good chance to win several of my bets, and then I get um, integration if France starts making a comeback, and I can my, my portfolio can turn a profit almost no matter what the outcome at that point. So that is what I'm going with in this final game of the 2022 World Cup. How about you, Brett? A daunting list of bets for me here. Uh, we'll see if I can counter. Uh, I'm going to take Argentina to win in the 90 plus uh, 175 for one pint. I got two on Messi anytime goal scorer plus 160. I mean, I just, yep. there's there's no way around that one. Um, I'm going to take the first half under uh, at 0.5 goals at plus 122. Uh, obviously, you know. Uh, we don't have the hindsight of what the formation is, but I'm I'm fairly certain, maybe even with certain tactical moves that Scaloni makes or Scaloni makes, I still feel fairly fairly confident in that one. So I got one point on that, and then it's back to Messi uh, plus three fifty to be the first goal scorer. So there's literally three pints riding on the goat. Um, I I feel like that's as good of an investment as you can make in sports betting. Yeah, if you're gonna stack money behind one person, how about being the greatest person who's ever done it in the most important game he's ever played? Yeah, uh, so certainly no harm in doing that. Yeah. Okay, uh, so in wrapping up, I will encourage everybody, as I always do, to unless you're Brett and you're you know got the COVID twenty two or whatever the hell he has, um, <laughs> get out, watch this in the crowd, watch this with loved ones. I'll be watching with uh, my kids, Kate, Millie, and Rose. Make some memories, enjoy this because once it's gone, it's gone for a long time. Uh, so yeah, just don't just sit on your couch, go out and, and do something fun for the world cup final, but it's not the final show that we're ever going to do, Brett. Uh, it's going to be weird to get back in the premier league headspace, yeah. but we will be back next week. You're not getting rid of us quite yet. We will be talking about what to expect, uh, in the restart of the premier league after the world cup. We'll be talking about boxing day and then we will be covering the premier league from here to the, the bitter end where a lot of your world cup heroes are all applying their trade. And I will tell you, Brett, I am such a fever after watching this World Cup for all the players I've watched and uh, all the great soccer I've consumed. We might even dabble in some Serie A. We might even dabble in some Bundesliga. We'll probably dabble a lot more in the Champions League because I don't want these guys to disappear from my life. I'm going to follow them in their domestic leagues going forward. Yeah, and and for everybody, just so you know, uh, the World Cup obviously has the emotion and the tension um, and the weight of countries behind it. Uh, but if you're looking for the quality of soccer, if you have just tuned in, start with the World Cup. The Champions League is going to be incredible. If you think the knockout rounds in the World Cup was fun to watch, 
just wait until you're watching PSG play Man City in the semifinals of the Champions League. Just wait until Liverpool and City are playing for the title in the Premier League. Those matches are incredible. A lot of the best players in the world, Erling Haaland, Mo Salah, I could go on and on and on, haven't even been in this World Cup. Um, so please, if you have just started listening to Toby and I now, stay with us. You left out Connor Gallagher. Uh, I know oh. he was there, but I mean, he's it was play. on the tip. It was on the tip of my yeah. tongue. He was the next one, but I didn't want to drag the show. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. No uh, Champions League is the highest level of soccer in the world. It's amazing. Amazing what happens when these guys can train together and they have uh, managers who are in their prime and not semi-retired. So please stick with us. We're going to have a lot of fun going forward, but in the meantime, enjoy the hell out of the world cup final. As we say, it's a real treasure. It's been a real joy to spend this time with you. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. I've really enjoyed it. Brett, feel better. Uh, Thank and you, man. I hope all of your bets cash, as long as they're not against mine. See you all <laughs> next week. Take care, y'all.